Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 157. We'll continue in the Psalms with a brief summary of chapters 16 through 19 and follow with some thoughts about the place of song in the Tanakh. Psalm 16 is a David Michtam. What a michtam is, is unclear, though there are six michtamim in the Psalms. The Greek translation of the Tanakh, the Septuagint, thought michtam was an inscription incised and sewn, but who knows. In any event, the poet is very pleased, pleased to be with God. Quote, I set the Lord always before me on my right hand, that I not stumble, so my heart rejoices and my pulse beats with joy, my whole body abides secure. Chapter 17 finds the poet tested, and passing with flying colors. Quote, you have probed my heart, come upon me by night. You have tried me and found no wrong in me. I barred my mouth to let nothing pass. Nonetheless, the poet seeks out God's protection. Quote, guard me like the apple of the eye, in the shadow of your wings conceal me. Chapter 18 is a poem of thanks for redemption from the hands of enemies. Quote, the cords of death wrapped around me, and the torrents of perdition dismayed me. The cords of Sheol encircled me. The traps of death sprung upon me. In my strait I called to the Lord, to my God I cried out. He heard from his palace my voice. And God comes to the rescue with quaking earth, fire, thunder, and lightning. In the end, everyone gets what they deserve. Quote, with the faithful you deal faithfully, with a blameless man act without blame, with the pure one you deal purely. With a perverse man deal in twists. Therefore, quote, I acclaim you among nations, O Lord, and to your name I would hymn, making great the rescues of his king, keeping faith with his anointed for David and his seed forever. Chapter 19, Psalm 19, is recited in its entirety during the Psukei de Zimra portion of the Shabbat and Holy Day service. It is divided into two parts, the first taking place in the heavens, praising God's greatness. Quote, day to day breathes utterance and night to night pronounces knowledge. And the second part, I guess, here on earth, where we focus on God's teachings, the Torah, which is, quote, perfect, restoring to life. It makes the fool wise, delights the heart, gives light to the eyes, and outlasts all time. It is more desired than gold and sweeter than honey. And even though the Torah is perfect, its adherents, especially the poet, are not, quote, unwitting sins, who can grasp of unknown actions clear me? The chapter concludes with the poet's coda, quote, Let my mouth's utterances be pleasing and my heart stirring before you, Lord, my rock and redeemer. And on that prayerful closing note, here endeth the lesson. In Hebrew, the word for poem and the word for song is the same, shir. And in the mind of the Tanakh, there is no real substantive difference between song and poem. Or, if there is, there's no indication in the Tanakh that there is a difference. There is a difference between shir and mizmor. There are two distinct words, after all, with the latter having sacred connotations, a song sung to a stringed instrument in psalmic terms. But others have rendered mizmor in English as chant. The iterative speaking or singing of words or sounds, often primarily on one or two main pitches called reciting tones. 
Here's an example, a classic rendition of the famous 13th century Latin Catholic hymn, Des Irae, or Day of Wrath, about the second coming of Christ and Judgment Day. And here's another classic chant, this one from hip-hop, from Eric B. is President. Thank you, DJs. We'll cycle back to Rakim later. So now we have three concepts here, poem, song, and chant. And I want to introduce potentially a fourth, rap, which, if I would have to venture, resembles poem the most. Rapping as a musical form of vocal delivery incorporates rhyme, rhythmic speech, and street vernacular. Very often, it's performed over a backing beat or musical accompaniment, but freestyling is often unaccompanied. And here's one example from Moss Def. Uh, I guess he's just hanging out with Kanye West before Kanye went off the rails. Rap involves content, what is being said, flow, that is rhythm and rhyme, and delivery, which is cadence or tone. One could say that rap is simply spoken word poetry with an instrumental track. Matt Daniels, a visual journalist at ThePudding.com conducted an analysis of hip-hop artists from the 1980s to the present looking exclusively at content, comparing the number of unique words used by some of the most famous artists in each artist's first 35,000 lyrics. The winner, by a large margin, was Aesop Rock, with 7,879 unique words. Okay, this is the dawning of the book of bitter aspects. When a jackal sit and watch the pedagogues last breath, poison function accompanied by six armor clad black horse and buggy mechanisms tug the portion of my seven vision. However, a similar analysis of Finnish doctoral student Eric Malmi looked at assonant rhymes. That is, rhymes where the vowels rhyme, but the consonants may or may not. In other words, Malmi looked at flow. The verdict, inspect a deck of the Wu-Tang Clan, edged out Rakim, one half of the Golden Age hip-hop duo Eric B. and Rakim, by seven thousandth of a percent. A bomb atomically, Socrates, philosophies, and hypotheses. Can't define how I be dropping these mockeries. Lyrically perform armed robbery. Flee with the lottery. Possibly they spotted me. I've included a link to the Daniels piece as well as Malmi's rapalizer results at thenextju.com. So if I had to set these concepts up along a continuum, it would begin with the poem or the freestyle rap. It is content, flow, and delivery but lacks singing of words or sounds. Then there's the chanting, which has reciting tones and finally singing. In this rap chant sing continuum, Jewish tradition falls solidly in the latter half. Young boys and girls learn ta'ameha mikra, or trope, in order to chant their portion on their bar or bat mitzvah. The rest of the prayer service from the early movements of Berkot HaShachar all the way through to the bitter end with Aleno, they're often either chanted or sung. And all of these chants and songs are deliberately religious in nature, so much so that it is hard to conceive of a Tanakhic song that falls outside the realm of the religious. But if you look at the sampling of songs in the Tanakh, many of them are secular in nature. But it's safe to say that for the folks in the Tanakh, like the distinction between song and poem, the distinction for them between sacred and secular wasn't really that significant. 
An analysis of Shira in the Tanakh reveals that there are, in addition to the aforementioned explicitly sacred songs, probably six other types of songs in the Tanakh. The work song. Though it's safe to assume that the ancient Jews whistled while they worked, we only have one example of an explicit work song in the text Numbers chapter 21, verses 17 and 18, otherwise known as the Song of the Well. Quote, Spring up, O well, sing to it. The well which the chieftains dug, which the nobles of the people started with maces with their own staffs. There are fragments of other songs throughout the Tanakh. Here's one other example, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, quote, Let me sing for my beloved a song of my lover about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fruitful hill, and so it continues. And this is a good segue for the next genre, the wine song. Again, we have mere fragments intimating that such songs existed but were not preserved in the text. Check out the brief snippet in Isaiah chapter 22, verse 13. Quote, Instead, there was rejoicing and merriment, killing of cattle and slaughtering of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine, eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You know, I was going to put that Dave Matthews song here, Tripping Billies, but I just couldn't bring myself to it. Anyway, moving on. The third type is the Watchman's song, used to add a little interest and excitement to the long stretch of uneventful night. Here's another fragment from Isaiah 21, verses 11 and 12. Watchman. What of the night? Watchman. What of the night? The watchman replied, Morning came, and so did night. If you would inquire, inquire. Now I've come back again. The next genre is songs of love and weddings, and the best example is obviously Song of Songs that, if you recall from episode 153, almost didn't make the cut because of its subject matter. But in the end, it made it. We'll get deep into that song in episodes 211 and 212. The penultimate genre is songs of war. Again, all we have are fragments, such as this from Numbers 21, verses 14 and 15. Quote, Therefore the book of the wars of the Lord speaks of Waheb in Sufa and the Wadis. The Arnon, with its tributary Wadis, stretched along the settled country of Ar, hugging the territory of Moab. One could also say that the Song of the Sea, sung by the ancient Jews in the shores of the Reed Sea, would fall into this category as well as the Song of Dvorah after the victory over Sisra. Indeed, one could say that the first song of the Tanakh, that of Lamech ben Metushael, is a sort of war song. Quote, Ada and Sila, hear my voice. O wives of Lamech, give ear to my speech. I have slain a man for wounding me and a lad for bruising me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech... 77-fold. Which leads us to the last kind of Tanakhic song, songs of mourning. In other words, dirges. David sang such songs for Shaul, Avner, and his son Avshalom in 2 Samuel. But the prophet Amos alludes to songs sung as part of a public mourning ritual. Quote, In every square there shall be lamenting, in every street cries of ah, woe, and the farmhand shall be called to mourn, and those skilled in wailing to lament. For there shall be lamenting in every vineyard too, when I pass through your midst, said the Lord. Yirmiyahu also refers to this genre as sung by professional women, the keeners. Quote, Thus said the Lord of hosts, Listen, summon the dirge singers, let them come. Send for the skilled women, let them come. Let them quickly start a wailing for us, that our eyes may run with tears, our pupils flow with water. 
It's this last genre that brings up the final item about songs, who sang them. The keener was a profession common in the time of the Tanakh, and in some places in the present day, professional mourners come out to wail and moan over the dead. But the Tanakh speaks of another profession related to the singing of secular songs, what the text calls sharim visharot, or male and female singers. They are mentioned in three places in the entirety of the Tanakh. When King David offers Barzillai the Giladite a perfectly lovely, wonderful job in his royal court in 2 Samuel, Barzillai replies, quote, I am now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between good and bad? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still listen to the singing of men and women? Why then should your servant continue to be a burden to my lord the king? So it seems the Sharim and Sharot were fixtures in the royal court. The muse! Is upon me! Thank you, Caesar. All be quiet! His divine immortality has consented to favor us with a new poem. This assertion is supported by the second instance, 2 Chronicles 35, verse 25, quote, Jeremiah composed laments for Josiah, which all the singers, male and female, recited in their laments for Josiah, as is done to this day. They became customary in Israel and were incorporated into the laments. So, the Sharim and Sharot did not just entertain, they also sang dirges as well. The last instance comes from Kohelet, or Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 8, bemoaning the worthlessness of accumulating wealth and luxury. Quote, I further amassed silver and gold and treasures of kings and provinces, and I got myself male and female singers, as well as the luxuries of commoners, coffers and coffers of them. Three verses later, Kohelet concludes, quote, and oh, it was all futile and pursuit of wind. There was no real value under the sun. Perhaps the Sharim and Sharot are symbols of excess in the royal court, but as the poet in Psalms attests, singing out raises the spirits, singing out exalts God, singing together, as many of the poet's works are sung, brings people together. This is not futile and pointless, but as the poet says, quote, their voice carries throughout the earth their words to the end of the world. He placed them in a tent for the sun, who like a groom coming forth from the chamber, like a hero eager to run his course. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Send a friend an email to say, hey, would it kill you to check out TanakhCast? Or even better, write a brief review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. It's a small thing, really, but it will help other people who might be interested in some Bible learning find this podcast. Or if you want to help in a bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for episode 158 when we continue in Psalms with chapters 20 through 23. 